Welcome to Like Minded Podcast, uh, episode five, season two. My name is Caitlin Bradley. I'm your co-host, and I'm joined today by the with the fabulous Bob Towers. How are you, Bob? Hi, Caitlin. I'm very well indeed. I'm very well. I'm looking forward to this podcast. What have you been up to yourself? Um, um. Well, I've just had three days off of work, and I, I just feel revived. I feel a new woman. Wow. wow my weekend off so yeah uh been very lazy caught up on washing the boring stuff nothing exciting um but yeah keeping myself busy how about you how are you what have you been up to well I've, i spend a lot of time just watching old darts tournaments on the telly and clutching my laxatives that's that's how it's exciting my life <laughs> oh bob that's disgusting <laughs> anyway <laughs> we are joined here today with the fabulous Kath Anderson, who is a Scouse illustrator and designer. How are you, Kath? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I mean, it's the amazing. laxative and dart tournament sounds like a real, <laughs> a real <laughs> night in tonight. Yeah, just ignore him. That's how we we met, Kath. You know, that's how we met Kath through a, a kind of. A, <laughs> laxative and darts uh, chat you know, room we so all need hobbies don't we <laughs> <laughs> so i'm super excited to have you today because you are first you. illustrator guest that we've had on this podcast mm -hmm. um so it's something different something new to talk about which we're always excited about um so yeah do you want to just tell us how you got into um illustrating how how it all started do you want to just give the audience a brief ex explanation Sure, yeah. Um, so I always liked art through school. I was one of those kids, um, enjoyed it and didn't really know if there was going to ever be a job um, in that type of field. Um, I think it always seems a bit of an odd one. Um, but I had a, a bit of an odd time of it in secondary school um, and I was really ill in the last few years. So I actually left school when I was 15, um, a year early, and I didn't have any qualifications at all. Um, in art or otherwise but I kind of uh, went away for a bit and got better and I always knew that I wanted to make some sort of return to art um, so when I was 19 I went back to college um, a couple of years late but enjoyed it a lot uh, went to Liverpool Community College and loved their art department um, and all their staff yeah. And yeah, I just sort of went round there for a while, a couple of years, did a few courses. Um, and then when I left there, um, I was about 23, 24 and decided to go straight into uh, freelancing part time. So I had a part time job in a box office, which I'm sure will come up again in our conversation. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I just uh, started doing bits of everything, really. If anyone wanted a designer, I'd, I'd put my name in the hat and see what they thought. So, yeah. That's how I got into it and managed to go full-time a few years later, and here I am. Amazing. This is immensely brave of you, Kath, because, you know, you, you went to college, not sure whether there would be a job at the end of it, came out and kind of created a, a job yourself as, as an illustrator. So yeah. tell us then, then the link there between working as an illus illustrator, uh, working freelance, and then something weird happens and you get involved in performing arts and theatre. Tell us that, that link, please. Yeah, so um, as I said, I was working in the box office only part-time um, in the Everyman Theatre. Um, and they have an amazing youth theatre called YEP, um, which is just run by the 
best people ever. Um, and they, um, I'd had a couple of pieces of marketing done that they weren't that happy with. Um, and they kind of knew I was an illustrator and I was interested in um, doing work for theatres. Um, and they'd see my portfolio and one time they just decided to take a, you know, what is retrospectively a huge risk for them um, and to sort of say, we'll give her a go and said, we're doing this play, go and see what you can come up with. And uh, the rest is history in terms of my work with the Everyman. I've worked with them a lot of times since and um, met a lot of theatre context through them or have heard about me through the work I've done with them. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, for a while, I've done a loads of work that was for different types of theatre group um, at all different stages within their professional development. So, yeah, love theatre. <laughs> Um, tell us some of the, the the kind of dark arts of of illustration then, because loads of uh, theatre groups have productions coming up. What now? The desperate thing is hmm. how they describe that in the literature. That could be a poster or it could be the the leaflets. So how does it get from an idea where you could write there's a play on next week at this time, um, but that kind of um, medium that will make a difference whether somebody attends that, that show or not. So how does that work? You actually uh, get to know about the, the show. How, how does all that work? Um, in terms of me coming on board with them and, and sort mm. of, yeah. Mm. Um, so um, I'm always approached, um, different theatre companies are always working different ways and it's kind of about figuring out uh, what their end goal is um, and sort of where they see the performance going and uh, where it's going to be on and things like that and then it's sort of the nitty-gritty of what's important to them um, about the work they're going to put on um, is it a theme is it that they want to reach out to a certain type of person uh, do they love one thing so if it's a Shakespeare play obviously there's a million different things that they could be picking out of that play um, and you know is it going to be set in modern day is it going to be set you know when the work's based and things like that um so it's about really figuring out what's important to them um about that play and then I think it's about sort of making that design clever enough to make it important to a prospective audience mm. um so doing something uh, visually arresting with it or making it a bit interesting where if you look again like you'll see something entirely different on the, the poster and things like that it's about making a piece of work that I think is really engaging and that will really stop someone if they're scrolling through social media or if it's on a table full of a hundred other leaflets and things like that how are we going to get that person to to pick it up and and notice that performance how much of it is actually kind of paper now and how much is is digital in terms of um, promotions is is it both and it, is one image suitable for uh, paper and another for for digital how, how does that work Kath? I think for me, I think it's most important to do both at the minute um I think as huge like leaps we've made into digital uh, marketing now I think it's still important to to reach different types of people in different types of ways there's um, a rule in marketing that you need to be seen like three times to increase uh, the chances of that person buying a ticket um, so if you can get them on social media um, and then you get them in a leaflet somewhere and mm -hmm. then you get them uh, again on social media by a post that's been shared by someone 
you're always increasing your chances. Um, so I think obviously budget um, will dictate a lot for theatre companies as well. And if you don't have much of a budget, get a smart design and use social media and, you know, think about your algorithms and things like, like that are going to work. Um, but yeah, and I think in terms of design, if you if you can, I think it's really good to split the design. So you might have something really clever that'll fit well um, online that looks visually the same on a leaflet and you, a person is putting those connections together. Um, I remember I did a performance um, with the Young Everyman and Playhouse and it was about this sort of secret underground um, sort of thing. So it was really interesting. We had to do this sort of covert marketing, but obviously it had to be obvious enough um, that people noticed. So we had stuff like business cards would get passed out. Um, we had, and they'd be like scroll dates on the business cards of where to meet. Um, and we had sort of one key symbol that we changed um, for every different performance. So you'd see it differently online, but differently on the card, but it would always look uh, the same and it looked like that collection and and that was a really good way to engage and across the performances in different ways. I love that and and you touched on this a, a little bit um, before when you said you need to get to know the, the theatre group and, what, and, mm -hmm. and what's behind it. However, we need to have marketing um, collateral out early in the process and I'm wondering how, how that's done then in terms of, does a group come to you with, with a vague idea? Do they come with quite solid ideas? Um, do you kind of look at their ideas and think that's, that's not gonna work, my idea's better? How does all, all that work? Um, I think, it, well, as you say, it's the better, the earlier the better um, to get involved with a company. Um, you need to get your marketing out as soon as, you know, it's it's basically definitely going ahead. You need to make sure that the marketing's ready to go. Um, I think um, in terms of, you know, what you are, you are selling and what you are doing, think about how it's going to be important for you to be reaching out to people. Um, I think in terms of how the design's directed by a company, sometimes I'll meet people and the design sounds a bit worrying. And mm. I might say, have you thought about how an audience might respond to that? Have you mm. thought about, you know, that that might be a bit controversial and do you want that controversy or is that going to be a problem for you? Um, and like, they'll say like, maybe I've got no idea at all. And then I can suggest a few ideas and see where they're at with it. Um, so there's all sorts of ways to go about it and um, ways to approach people. As you say, they're also different and um, they're really passionate about theatre. And I think it's about using that passion um, and directing it into a more commercial way um, and a business-minded way. So we're actually going to get people in to see, you know, whatever performance they're really passionate about. How much do you think of, of your work is actually art and how much is marketing? Um, I think one follows the other, really. Um, I think good marketing is good art. It's clever. Um, it speaks to people and it, it, it engages with people in a way that, you know, other more, I guess, for a cynical term, pure forms of art that interact mm -hmm. with them. Um, mm -hmm. If you market things cleverly, um, you know, you should be making people like either laugh with the idea or, um, you know, be made to really think about it. Um, and like, I think it's about giving them that level of 
of emotional engagement sometimes mm. as well as mm. just the commercial side. And we were speaking the... before, sorry. Mm. We were speaking before, like, where do you get your inspiration from? Mm. Do you go to art galleries? Do you do you look at other people's art and say, oh, I could have done this better? Or <laughs> like, where do you get your inspiration from? Uh, I think that inspiration comes anywhere. I think that's such a cliche answer, uh, but it's so true. Um, I think, you know, anything, whether it's art uh, in a gallery or great TV or, um, you know, great theatre, obviously, can help you and inspire you to help other projects uh, along the line. Um, I know when we were speaking before, I said that I've heard it described as a creative bank account where you have to keep it topped up with other things in order to withdraw stuff out. Uh, and I think that's really true. And I think, you know, I, I'd encourage any whatever your discipline is within a creative job, I think it's important that you go and engage with other work. It's that thing, isn't it? Art never created in a vacuum. Um, you need to to inspire yourself and, and to go forwards with that. Yeah, I love that because I was looking through your Instagram page before and I saw the Fleabag. I mm. absolutely love Fleabag. Um, the, the show is just brilliant. So have you took, you've watched that show and then you've made that poster what you thought would have been relevant to it? Is that... Yeah, I think with the Fleabag one, there's a moment um, which I thought was so lovely and so captured the whole of that series and the theme of that series. Um, and it's kind of like if you can pinpoint that visual of either that moment or, you know, a guest for theatre, that prop or that person um, in a way that means something to the the project as a whole then I think you, you're sort of onto a winner then and I think with the flea bag thing that moment spoke a lot about what the series was and it made sense to to do a, a lovely piece of work and it just made me feel all lovely while I was doing it <laughs> it was gorgeous it's gorgeous um, thank you and you've got an Etsy shop haven't you mm -hmm. I do yeah. yeah is that for your own work or for like other people's work that you've produced or yeah, so at the minute, my Etsy just sells uh, my work. Um, yeah. I set it up a, a while ago. It was probably even before I got into sort of theatre um, design and stuff like that. But um, it was when I was freelance, and I think a lot of illustrators um, have both the commercial work of working business to business, and then they'll have sort of outlet to sell their own work. And it's just good for, for financial stability, and I'd really recommend Etsy's such an easy platform to use now um and yeah if anyone's interested in doing freelance i'd recommend testing out an etsy page um it's good stuff and gives you a bit more financial security so yeah we love that <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> well how much of uh, your work kind of starts from uh, pencil and paper or does it start with um, digital um, illustrations? How, how does it, it start from inception? Uh, everything starts on pencil and paper for me. Um, it? Yeah, it's just so um, easy to let things flow and, you know, you can really start to pull your ideas together quickly. And I think it's, it's good to make mistakes and with a pencil and paper, you can make mistakes fast. Um, which is really valuable if you're if you're going through a series of ideas. Like a lot of the time, I'll pitch a couple of ideas to a theatre company, um, mm. and they'll pick which one speaks to them the most. But obviously, behind those maybe three ideas I'm pitching to them, I've maybe doodled ten of them, um, and I've took 
three of them forwards and you know tighten them up a bit and and got it to a point where I feel it demonstrates what I'm going for um and then taking it from there so yeah pencil and paper all the way good no I I pushed you on on this earlier and and you and you wasn't having any of it when I asked you to kind of uh, choose a favorite I suppose it's like choosing between um your, your children so I, in, instead of like me saying, okay, give us your favorite, what what type of, um, what, what are your favorite types of illustrations then, if I can kind of put it to you that way? I mean, that's very well put. <laughs> <laughs> very, very artfully done. I think um, my favorite work is about the memory of creating it now. Um, it's not mm. necessarily... Um, how it turned out because it could have turned out radically different to how we all thought it was going to be at the start of the process but um there's people I've worked with which I just think were so passionate about what they were doing um and so clever and nice people as well I think Mm -hmm. niceness is so underrated um in the the business world and stuff like that and I think you know I love when they're nice and they've got a clear thought of what they're taking forward um, and I was saying before, I had a, a group of young producers who were worked with uh, in the Everyman who were just brilliant. They just had such conviction of what they were doing and they so wanted people to see it um, and they knew it was good work that they were going to put on and they wanted people to to get in there and have the opportunity to see that. And they were determined to make that work and determined to give time to the process to do that. Um, so I loved that their work was called Drag Lab. Um, and I loved um, working with them and a look on that piece and the pieces actually that were made around it with a lot of fondness. Well, can you give tips for somebody who wants to start off in the in the illustration game? Because they will look at you as the, the girl from Kirby who's kind of made it. Um, but if, if, Kirby. You look back now, <laughs> if you look back now and said, well, I, I could have like saved a lot of time if I'd have known then what I know now. So for someone looking out to starting in the illustration game, what, what advice would, would you give here? Um, oh, that's a big question. I think mm. a lot of it comes to, because most illustrators will have a level of skill and talent that they can use. I think the thing that trips people up is the business side of it. Um, I think it's really important to get yourself organized in terms of how much money you need to make um, and how often you need to be hitting those targets Mm -hmm. um, and where you're going to get people from. And I think the great thing about Liverpool actually is there's loads of resources that are set up to help you with that. Um, If you're young, I think if it's under under 30, you can work with the Prince's Trust um, that are really good at sort of informing you on how to budget how to do taxes and things like that um, if you're slightly older uh, Liverpool Library does business workshops um, that can help so I think obviously keep practicing with your skills and keep on perfecting your style and um, how you're going to make your work but also give time and attention to to the thing that's going to actually make sure that you can be in this for the long run um, which is sadly <laughs> the finance part of it and you know your your own marketing you, you're marketing for the theatres and the like but how are you gonna um get get your own name out there and how are you gonna make your connections so yeah, yeah I would say pay attention to that yeah. amazing because you we spoke about before um 
before we start recording, like, has your work dried up with theatres being shut and things like that? So which way have you focused on now or are you still working? Yeah, so I'm still doing work. Um, I have uh, very fortunately, I started work with a company in January 2020. um, And that's given me a really solid baseline of work to continue on with. Um, So that's been really secure and stuff like that and that's been really freeing for my sort of freelance work I've been able to see be a lot more choosy with my projects um I'm trying to work with some charities and things like that and people who you know normally might not have the budget uh, for an illustrator um to do stuff with their work so yeah doing yeah. doing things like that is really helpful and to have that stability is has been yeah. good and and fun to to sort of push on with I suppose it's similar to like when actors are starting up, you literally take anything and you're like, okay, I'll do it for free, exactly. I'll do it for free, I'll do it free. And then when yeah. you start to build a reputation up and a portfolio, then you can be like, no, actually, I'm not going to do this gig. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really hard time as there has to become a point where you have to say, I'm not going to be able to do that for free anymore. Um, yeah. And it's really difficult and it's such a, a difficult line to cross. And I'd say to everyone, you know, when you do take on free work, make sure that you're doing it for all the right reasons. So it's going to build your portfolio or it's going to get you some exposure or, you know, it's it's going to do something that you wanted to do. Um, and that way, when you do start charging for work, you've got a better understanding of what work you should be charging for. Yeah. 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 And how do you, so I'm interested, you, put, you say your portfolio, how do you, if I was like, I don't know, wanting a show and I said, oh, what, what have you done before? How do you pre- present your portfolio? Do you send it by email or? Oh, it all depends on you, Caitlin. Oh, does <laughs> um, it? Yeah. I'm just intrigued. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you wanted um, a, an online portfolio, I could show you uh, my website and things like that. But I do have printed portfolios uh, right. just because some people are old school and they want to see the work in their hands. They want to uh, be able to show it to others in an easy way so I can send one of them out and things like that and I think that's always a, a good thing to do to to diversify the ways you're going to show your work and um you know you want as many people to see your work so you've got more chance of of getting work yeah and you said a tip before which I, I haven't even thought about this before um three ways you've got to show yourself three ways before people buy a ticket will you explain that again yeah yeah um there's a rule in marketing that the more often someone sees um what you're selling the more likely they become to engage with that um, and that's particularly true in theatre so uh, we were talking about obviously if if social media was the winner or to just you know do it in print or whatever and I think doing both is the best way to do it if you've got the budget um, because you know you may see a post on social media and then you may see a flyer when you're out and about uh, and then you may see another post that's been shared by someone you know uh, and that's sort of really getting to the crux of that person buying a ticket then um, and sort of being intrigued by that project because they're starting to see it more and more so it's that thing that there must be something interesting um, so yeah it's about being clever and using different ways to to get to people and I think you know I think a lot of theatres panic that you know well we can't afford a, an ad in the echo or we can't afford an ad on tv or whatever and you don't need to I think you just need to to think of cheaper ways to do it in a cleverer yeah. way yeah because social media is so powerful these days oh, yeah but yeah. I don't think you can like underestimate a flyer I know yeah. Chris has got this thing, and he won't mind me saying it. He's got this thing like he feels the paper. 
Mm. And if it's on good quality, he knows it's going to be a good show. Yeah. Honestly, we go to shows all the time and he's like, nah, nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't like paper and shit. Yeah. <laughs> in it's a, true, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And in a, in a cynical way, like, I think the problem if you have bad marketing and bad production on, on your flyers and things like that is people will think, well, they haven't bothered to, yeah. to try to get me in. So what makes them think that they've been bothered to put on a, a show that's worth my time? Um, yeah. And I think you do have to be a, aggressive um, in the way you think about it like that. And um, and obviously it doesn't cost loads of money necessarily. And, you know, I think everyone, if you if you ever apply for, for funding and things like that, make sure that you include your marketing in there, whether that's a person to do it for you or, you know, you're going to spend lots of different ways of, and time yourself to do it um, make sure that you do invest in it because I think it's mm-hmm. it makes a difference for me between hobbyists and professionals um, yeah you you want more than your friends and your family to enjoy your show and and you know I know there's been so many people on this podcast who have you know they talk about the power of theatre and theatre is such a force for good um, particularly now I think now more than ever and you want that power for good to be spread as much as you can and um and it's worth putting your money and your time into that definitely can i ask um what's been the impact of the pandemic and lockdown on your creativity i mean are you not sleeping are you kind of um producing darker materials like some writers are doing now what what's been the overall impact do you think i think i think it's affected my work in in okay ways I think you know I've had a, a fairly easy um lockdown compared to others like I haven't lost out on work and things like that and you know it's I know it's really stressful um at the minute but I think you try and use it to be innovative um and to make work that communicates maybe different things mm. um I think for me it's kind of I'm trying particularly with the the situation I'm in with I've got some stable work I'm kind of being like well it's clear now that there are people who need help um for you know and it sounds really odd like you think well you can't really help people you know I'm not giving them food and I'm not giving them money but I'm trying to give time in terms of uh so I'm working with a really good charity at the minute called Friends of Kirby Gallery who um give um art materials and art lessons to people who are maybe struggling uh, in the community um, maybe with the mental health or financial uh, they work with a lot of kids obviously and um, a sadly um, not economically um, great situation so I'm trying to um, use I guess the the pain of the pandemic I guess and um, the problems it's brought to to make my work more positive in that sense um, yeah. if that makes oh, that's sense lovely. yeah because art mm. I feel like art you can express yourself so much and if people have got like anger and things like that exactly the express yeah yeah and obviously mental health these days is so yeah. negatively affected by what's going on and I will say you know if you are listening to this and you haven't drawn in a while or painted in a while get your pens out like and like yeah. it, it's so beneficial for anyone whether you're interested in a career or not with it like it it should be a thing that's valued more um in your life and and to start you know topping up your own sort of creative um needs and and wants oh 
Brilliant. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what does the next 12 months hold for Kath Anderson then? Oh, um, hopefully good things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, always. <laughs> um, I'm still uh, with my, my company, so that's good. Um, I've got work to do with them. Um, and yeah, I'll be really intrigued as to obviously the unknowns becoming more known as, as time goes on when are we gonna and lockdown when are we gonna get back into theatres and you know enjoy the world again um but I think for now I'm trying to um it sounds really cheesy but just appreciate every day um mm. design mm. something I like every day um and see if other people like it too and if there's any sort of um legs to do with that and things like that so yeah, yeah. I think just appreciating that I, I don't know everything yet and you know it'll all sort itself out when I do now oh I love that <laughs> I do I Fantastic. really love that yeah. so yeah. do you want to tell us about your website what's your name of your website what's the name of the Etsy where can people find you if they were intrigued um to come up with a quote where 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 can they find Kathy yeah. Anderson? Um, so you can find me on Instagram at ke anderson art um, or if you want to look at my website it's kathandersondesign.com um, and there's a link on there that can take you to the shop and everything um, but yeah if if anyone from the podcast who works in a theatre wants a bit of a chat or anything like that with no strings attached to to you know employ me or anything I'm really happy to help out and give any guidance um, you know, especially during this time when I realise it's so hard for theatre groups. Um, so yeah, just send me a message. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, it's been so nice to see you and yeah, to to put faces to the the voices I've been hearing. Okay, as long as you don't illustrate us, because that would be too scary. Oh, I don't think so. You know. Yeah. Little illustrated portraits. Love it. Bob would just be a little old man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can tell everyone that um, Caitlin has a great face for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> Caitlin's doing some obscene gestures. I'd like to say with everyone. <laughs> Kath, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, Bob, what are you doing for the rest of the week? Right, for the rest of the week, I am tidying up the flat. I am looking after my budgies and cleaning up after them, which is a constant kind of source of, of amusement to me. Oh, you put a picture on Facebook of them the other day, and oh, they're actually okay, well, really what, cute. What they do, they, they kind of uh, swing from fighting each other to loving each other. So they, oh. they swing between the two, bickering to loving. Um, Are they actual lovebirds? No, no, they're, they're budgies. But the nice thing, and this is where we can learn from budgies, their memories are terrible. So they can't remember what they were fighting about, so they just forget it. And wouldn't that be great if we all had that? Do you know what? No, I do have that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got mind of a budgie. <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh, well, enjoy that, Bob. And thank you, everyone, for listening, as usual. Um, if you like us, visit our page at likemindedproductions.co.uk and visit our Instagram at likemindedproductions and subscribe and follow and all that jazz. So yeah, thank you so much and thank you, Kath. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. But yeah. Thanks very much. Bye, everyone. See you next Bye. time. Bye.